0: Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about Legacies, the TV series that recently concluded its third season on CW. For listeners who are not aware, the show is a continuation of storylines from The Vampire Diaries and The Originals. At Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter score is 82%, and the critics' consensus for season one reads... A fun and fast-paced addition to the CW stable of Supernatural high school series, Legacies emerges from the shadows of its sister shows, An Unexpected Delight. I worked on Legacies as the COVID production liaison for about two months at the end of 2020, so today's show is a reunion of sorts. Let me introduce my guests. First, Mark Villalobos, you've been doing creature effects work for more than 30 years, and on Legacies, you are the co-department head of the creature effects department. Welcome to Below the Line.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Glad you're here as well, Mark. We're joined today by your co-department head, Heather Mages. Heather, you've been doing creature effects work yourself for nearly two decades. Nice to see you.
2: Nice to see you guys, too. Thanks for having me.
0: Finally, Jeremy Connor, you're the assistant stunt coordinator on Legacies, and in fact, your stunt resume also includes the originals and the Vampire Diaries before that. You are also often subjected to the creature effects makeup that Mark and Heather design. so it'd be nice to get your perspective on that as well. Welcome. Thank you. So listeners, this is your spoiler warning for Legacies. We're not going to talk about anything that hasn't been released, but we could talk about anything from the first three seasons. Let's go back to those early years. Mark, start us off. Talk to me about your history with Legacies. When did you start and how did that come together?
1: I came in through a friend of mine who was the directing producer for the show, uh, my friend Chris Grismer, and I just finished a show with him. And he was like, I have this uh, Creature of the Week thing. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And he goes, but it's in Atlanta. And I was like, okay, I don't care. That sounds great. So when I originally called, I was talking to the producer, Bonnie, and uh, you know, she was in love with the digital department. I think she was on the idea that a lot of the creatures were going to be digital, probably for production's sake. That does make a lot of sense in some situations. But I was kind of determined to you know, at least put my best foot forward. She said, we don't really have much. We got some, you know, werewolf back. And uh, yeah, you know, well, we need a gargoyle. And I was like, okay, uh, I could do a gargoyle. At that moment, I thought, well, I'm going to make a really cool gargoyle because I probably don't know when I'm going to get that task again to do a gargoyle. You know, originally I said, well, can we hire the guy that I put in a lot of my stuff to kind of, you know, help the costs of it and the speed, you know, because their, their turnaround time was very fast. And she said, yeah, sure, uh, well, you know, sure. And uh, that was our super former Cheetah at the time. He's been in a lot of monster suits and I worked with him a lot. Uh, so we just kind of cobbled together what I thought was gonna be a really cool creature with just the parts that I had and, and a lot of the stuff that I had to sculpt was the stuff that I never get called to sculpt, like, you know, cracks for, you know, the gargoyle's back and stuff like that. And the wings, we had to fabricate the wings At first I was kind of like, okay, well, who's going to handle this? I was like, I need somebody who's going to really know the workload and be able to do the job. And I had worked with Heather probably for 20 years, you know, but we hadn't talked in a long time. So I was like, okay, can you help me? And she's like, yeah, I I think so. Right. And you were kind of like, well, how long is it? And I said, well, it's probably gonna be like
0: two weeks. So in the beginning, it would take a smaller commitment. Heather, what were you doing at the time when Mark called?
2: Yeah, I had just uh, recently got back into town, meaning Los Angeles And yeah, I was in um, Bulgaria for a few months doing Hellboy and Mark called and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm in town. It's been a long time since we worked together. Always love working with Mark. Like you said, we've known each other for 20 plus years. He very much helped me out in the very beginning of my career. We've remained really good friends. And I was like, let's do this. It'll be fun. What is it? What's going on? Gargoyle, I'm down. Let's go do it.
1: Yeah. At the time she had been working with a, a gentleman named uh, Joel Harlow, who I was a big fan of his work. So I was like, this is great. You know, maybe I'll learn a thing or two. I had no idea how much I was going to learn, but when we got the gargoyle together, when we got all the pieces, you know, and it was one of those things where I just didn't want to chance it. So I, I got a huge duffel bag and I put all the parts in the duffel bag and flew with it. Cause I, I had these nightmares of the thing never showing up and <laughs> I, I'm just going to bring this thing with me on the plane. And, you know, the nature of foam rubber is it's a sulfur-based product. It stinks real
3: bad. <laughs> yes, it does. And,
1: and, and Jeremy knows because we put a lot of masks on them that pretty much smell like a rotten egg bag. But the bag really stunk really bad, you know. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to bag it up. And I bagged it and I zipped it. And then we got it over there. And because it was happening so fast, half of the creature still wasn't finished. And I didn't tell Heather that. But on the plane, I remember she goes, okay, so now what has to be done? well and you know i got this and that so like you know when we got there and she saw what we had to do she was like this is a lot of work and i was like yeah but don't worry i'll you know i'll do this i'll do that so she ended up doing a lot of the uh paint work making it look like stone and you know we added moss and all this stuff so we did a, a show and tell they called it you know i'm not used to those you know i'm used to like you get there you put the creature together and then you go but on a bigger budget thing like Legacies, it was like, no, no, you put them in all the way. We want to see exactly how it's going to look and we'll go from there. So we had to put them in all the way and we didn't have a lot of the pieces. We were basically, you know, running gunning it. So, you know, any piece that we used was a waste if it didn't get shot. So we ended up putting them in it really good, making sure that everybody liked it and, uh, I remember Cheetah was walking around the offices with this full gargoyle makeup and he turns the corner, Julie Pleck turns the corner at the same time and he looks down at her and she looks up and she sees this guy in full gargoyle makeup and he makes this noise like a growl. He goes, it just scared her and everybody started laughing and she was she was laughing and, and I think it made a good impression on her because she ended up loving the stuff.
0: Now Mark for people who are not familiar with uh, behind the scenes of the show remind people what Julie's role is.
1: Julie's the creator of the whole franchise I believe. Yeah. And then that Kevin was, that was you know that that whole experience was such a big learning curve because you know I really wanted to make something that people remembered and, and I did everything I could in my power to make it look like a live action McFarlane toy so as soon as they're you know they you know bonnie and laura were like okay so we got this other creature coming up it's a spider creature uh, so you guys are going to stay right and i don't think me and heather really understood the commitment at the time and we're like uh yeah and at that time they were like it's going to be half cgi and half practical they had some guy design the creatures and he was really great he designed this really crazy creature that you know We're like, okay, let's try and make it practically as much as we can, and they'll just fill it in with digital. And poor Jeremy had to do this character.
0: So Mark, basically you came out for what was a single creature gig, and then turned into much, much more on this show. We're going to talk more about the creature effects. But first, let me turn to Jeremy. Jeremy, you had worked on the series of shows, starting with Vampire Diaries, carrying the originals. And now on Legacies, talk to me about how that came together, a little more history, and then what things were like that first couple of episodes of Legacies when it was getting off the ground.
3: Well, a real quick overview is uh, I started my stunt career 20 years ago in Orlando doing live shows. And uh, I had made some connections with some different people through the live show world and... um, One of my friends had been doubling the main character who played Elena on Vampire Diaries. And she said the coordinator might be looking for a double for one of his actors. And I fit the description. And so she forwarded my information to him. And I didn't get it when the episode started. But about six or eight episodes in, they had lost that double and needed another one. So they called me and I started doubling the character Damon, played by Ian Somerhalder, on Vampire Diaries. And then when I got there, I found out I was kind of the CW size so to speak. So a lot of actors that had come through were my size. So I started doubling a lot more people throughout the Vampire Diaries. I doubled both the brothers, a lot of the episode actors, a lot of the mainstays, because everybody was kind of around my size. And uh, one of the main characters in the second season of Vampire Diaries was Klaus. Klaus was like the villain for the season whatever. And then as he turned into the good bad guy after season four, they spun off the originals and. He became the main character of originals and I was doubling Klaus on the originals and still doubling the brothers on Vampire Diaries. So I did eight seasons of Vampire Diaries, all five seasons of originals. When they came and wanted to spin off into legacies, the stunt coordinator that was on originals, Dave Morzo, who's our stunt coordinator on legacies, he called me and he said, hey, we're going to be doing another another series and it's going to be a spinoff. They're bringing the two series back together. And so some of the children that had been born during Vampire Diaries and originals, we fast forward in time, they're teenagers, they're in a school, a boarding school for witches and werewolves and vampires and stuff to teach them how to deal with their powers and things like that. And So he brought me on as the assistant coordinator and then we found out, that's when I met Mark and Heather. Um, we were also doing the Creature of the Week vibe. And a funny story also to on the gargoyle situation is um, that first season, my son wants to be a stunt person as he, when he grows up. So I was putting him through some paces as far as cleaning pads when we were getting prepped up for the show. So we came in and I had him come in and clean all the pads and all that. So he was helping me prep and doing some things that after David and I had brought some equipment in and, uh, I took him over to the trailer and he got to go in when they were putting Cheetah together into the gargoyle suit. It just blew his mind. He was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And Cheetah was super nice with him and and walked him through some of the paces. And so um, Caleb had a, had a really good time getting to be a part of that, that experience and seeing how they did. So that's how I came in. And still, to this day, I'm, I'm the CW size. I double a lot of the characters. I double a lot of the monster situations. I'm kind of that unibody fit that can fit a lot of the suits when they need it. So, but that spider suit, that was a tough one. And uh, my kids got to come up and see me perform spider, which was a tough day. Uh, but they were very excited to see that they get to play hooky from school and do a come to work with dad day. It was fun, and, uh, but it was, a, it was a long day and that suit was extremely difficult to be in.
0: So let's talk more about that spider suit. Uh, Mark, you said that uh, the gargoyle basically sold them on practical creature effects and continuing the show. And you said the next thing was the spider, and Jeremy's getting into this. Let's talk more about that and how things get underway.
1: Well, unfortunately for Jeremy, we ended up having to make it generic. So my studio in LA was building parts for it. We didn't know who was going to fit in it, but we said, well, let's get a kind of a medium guy. And of course. To backtrack just a little bit, uh, I'd always been wanting to work with this guy that uh, he was one of my peers that I always felt was like better than me in some instances on a lot of techniques and his aesthetics. You know, his name is Dan Rebert. The thing that with this industry is you get in as a fan. And then you kind of learn people's secrets and you 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 end up uh, admiring other people's work and you mimic it. And then, you know, you kind of create your own style. And then pretty soon, you know, you're known for this, whatever it is. I wanted to work with Dan Rebert because I was going to need to find people that I could rely on that could do really great work that I could be, you know, as an artist, you don't, you know, you always want to make everything yourself, you know, but you can't. You can't do that on this show. So you have to kind of like, farm out parts of it. So I, I did a design for it because the design that they had was kind of a simplistic design. And Dan Rebert did the body. I had a friend of mine, Ernesto, sculpt the head based on some sketches that I had done. And then he did a maquette, which is a small version so that we could kind of say, yes, that's what it looks like uh, in 3D. But we didn't have Jeremy's head cast, but we just said, well, it's a big spider thing. We'll We'll cut and dart it and make it whatever we ended up making this thing and and we we laugh about it now because it was such a difficult thing. It had spider legs that came off of its front and a big thorax in the back to comp in with the CGI. And it didn't even have hands. I don't think it had like these like spider leg type hands.
3: Yeah.
2: They They were were puppeteered.
3: Um,
1: They were puppeteered. Yeah. They had to
2: be puppeteered because Dan Rebert made those. And Dan likes to make everything down
1: to the millimeter measurement. And if he makes it generic, it's usually still pretty tight. And I remember we put Jeremy in this thing and I was thinking, God, this thing's like a medieval torture device, you know, the, 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 the helmet, the helmet itself was heavy, you know, and you could see out of a tiny little hole about the size of a crouton maybe at the most, you know, <laughs> but it, it was rigged with some mechanics that we did so it can move its little mandibles and then it had like hoses so they it could kind of drip venom out of it. And, and I had no idea how much he was going to have to do because they kind of told me, well, you know, he just kind of walks around and then the rest of it's going to be CGI. But they didn't do that. They just put Jeremy up in this wire rig up like two stories high. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, this poor guy, can he can barely look around, much less, you know, hit a mark. But they did. And, and you know, because the stunt team, they really have been doing this for so long. They knew exactly what to put where and the pick points and all that kind of stuff to hold him up. And we got through it, man. And uh, we didn't want to look back at that creature because we were like it was so much miscommunication because it was supposed to be cgi and then not cgi and then and i think that's kind of what leaned us more into just you guys do it you know just whatever you're going to do you do it because it made it easier for everybody
0: meaning what mark where they said mark and heather you guys do the creature and let us know or it was more like well that turned
1: into kind of an ordeal because they had to track, the thorax on there and the legs. And really, I think that creature got a bad rap because it didn't, it was shot in the daylight. That was tough. And, yeah. you know, we didn't get to u- utilize the puppeteering elements of the legs. So, you know, I saw some footage on people's phones that I thought was really great. They were running for time. So they were just like, okay, now walk forward. And, and they move the legs and stuff. And, and I feel like they didn't get what they needed because it took, a, it was an ordeal to make this thing walk. Like two people on each leg, the guy in the suit, the guy using the remote controls, the dripping of the slime out of its mouth—it was like a whole team to just make
3: it walk forward. So spider was tough, right? And uh, it was there was a lot involved in it, the mechanics of the face. It, it was hard for me to see. It was hard for me to hear. It was a, so I get done with spider, and I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to be in a creature suit again. That's just, <laughs> I was I was in a harness tightened up for 16 hours inside the suit because we couldn't get to it, and then we had to hang my. And I was like, wow, that was. It was, there was a lot going on, but the next episode, you guys didn't have a lot in it. It was like the ghost face right. episode and we had some, so it was something like that. And then I think halfway through the episode, they came to you and said, Hey, we need a creature at the end of this. Cause they wanted something to come in the door, bust oh, this the yeah, glass yeah, yeah. door at the end of this I episode.
1: Chris Grismer, the, the guy who brought me on, he's like, look, I need a creature. Just like, you know, anything,
3: it could be anything. It's just, you're not even going to see it. And anytime they say that. <laughs> they just took parts from things that they had, like in less than a couple of days. And they said, this will fit you, this will fit you. I think I had the gargoyle's feet and something else on something and and all this stuff. And they put together this wraith.
1: Me and Heather kind of figured out was like, okay, if we put enough colored slime on this thing, drippy Enough hair except, too. Enough, enough hair. hair to enough...
2: mark. Remember that long straggly hair.
1: Yeah. And we just changed it around and the, the costume didn't really fit him. So we had to kind of like, you know, cinch
3: it up the back and, and it was,
1: falling yeah, no, apart. it was
2: ripping into holes. It was falling apart.
3: <laughs> we never saw that thing again, but that I was like, these guys are great. They, they threw this together so fast and it looks so awesome. And we had a bunch of slime on it. And that's when I knew we had something going
1: you know, at, at that point, they were just kind of like, okay, well, let's, let's see what else we could do. The sad part of season one was uh, our friend Chris Grismer uh, ended up going on to another job. And for me, it felt like my friend took me to a party and then left. And I was like, really bummed. And he, you know, he gets the horror thing so well, and, and then he was gone. And then we were like, what's going to happen to us, you know?
0: So Craig leaves, but by now it sounds like they're committed to the concept of creatures and I'm presuming the second season was a little more focused in what they wanted from you. How's that role? The back end of season one,
1: you know, there was a couple things that they didn't know how they were going to do them. And they had this character that had to break from a cocoon, which really wasn't a creature. It wasn't a creature. It should have been a digital effect, really. But they wanted to know what we could do. And we made like this kind of puzzle piece thing, and then we covered it with ash and we made breakaway parts and land in the character land and breaks free from it. And it looked really great. And I think at that point they realized we could do a lot of stuff with this. Our job didn't just become make a creature of the week. It was kind of facilitate whatever the story is gonna have, pertain to the creatures, but also it could it could leak into the props and there was also costume stuff, and there was just a lot of things. And so I think when it came around to season two they ended up kind of saying okay well let's let's just do it like crazy this time right off the bat we made a giant cyclops which was huge we had uh doug uh doug tate was in it doug tate is the guy you call when you want like a, a giant creature or something like that because he has these great movements but then we made him even bigger with uh leg extensions and this big suit and and it was really big and cumbersome but it was very uh because of what happened with Jeremy, I started building everything more like sports gear, you know, so everything was a lot more flexible, it could take a beating. Whereas the other thing that Jeremy wore was so tight. And so, you know, it restricted him so much. And I don't think you really ever saw what it needed to get out of that. So season two became more about functionality and making things better for the show, you know, how, how to make it faster, better, and And uh, they kind of trusted my aesthetics at that point and Heather's aesthetics. So we ended up kind of building just, you know, uh, a lot of stuff that we we thought was going to be like specialty characters, like the shadow creatures. We ended up making those in season one and then they brought them back for season two. And we said, well, let's make them a little better than we did last time because we were making them to fit generic people. I feel they they were not as, as cool as the first time because the first time was, a, a, it was really crazy. We I think we built that suit in like four
3: or five days.
2: I actually believe and, it was three days, Mark, that we <laughs> built that first shadow creature suit and we and built it, it right for, on her. You had to
3: make it for a yeah. compressionist too. So it had to move in wild yeah. directions.
1: You know, that character came out of the idea that we're going to get this guy, uh, Twisty Troy. He could kind of do this move where he looks like he melts down to the ground and then he can kind of rise out of the ground. And we said, well, that'd be cool if we could make him really dark creature. And then all of a sudden, you know, out of the darkness, he can kind of rise. But we couldn't get Twisty Troy because I think he's Canadian or something like that. And they couldn't get him. Yeah, whatever, that's correct. It had to do with a work visa. And uh, so we got this other girl. Jaden. Jaden. And, yeah. and she's, she was really good. But we ended up, because time, again, moves so fast, we had to come up with a mathematical way to make this creature. And what seemed kind of crazy is we would just build it on her. And we would get this box of parts. And, you know, a lot of it's not even painted, you know. <laughs> but I think, you know, all through it, we kind of remember the things that we loved the most. And, you know, I always remembered H.R. Giger building the alien suit right on the guy. So we were like, well, you know, if it works for Giger, we're going to do it, you know. We painted a couple layers and then we coated her. I sculpted a head really quickly and we molded that. And I made like the silicone mask, it was kind of heavy. And we merged that onto the suit. And she was able to do a lot of really great movements in it. And so they liked that creature and they forwarded over to season two. And then season two, they were like, yeah, we need like uh, 10 of those to 12 of those things. <laughs> so we couldn't do the same process. So we had to kind of come up with another process. We made some rubberized background suits and then those ones are foam rubber, the smelly egg material. And then some of them were uh, like Dan Rebert helped us with the other heroes that we call them the heroes. Cause they're, they're more detailed um, and they're tighter and they're more form fit. And those are kind of a combination of a ton of techniques to get them to be what they were There's Some of them are spandex with like silicone and some of them have like, you know, just different interlocking parts and, yeah, so season two, we ended up, you know, any kind of thing that we didn't get out on season one, we were like, well, let's try this, you know?
0: On the days you're getting people ready, what's the average amount of time it takes that they're in the chair, that they're getting the makeup put on, the, the entire process of getting them ready? And that's even before filming is, is going to start with them. What's that look like as a process?
1: Well, I mean, I'm the worst at that, you know, coming up with the times for that kind of stuff because I've done so many makeups on people that sometimes I realize that you can wear a person out before they even get onto the set, you know? So like, I don't want to put people in, you know, (laughs) like these uh, six hour makeup. It ends up being very wearing. I think you want to work with the production. You want the production to be able to at least have enough time in the day to shoot the thing. So when me and Heather give times, we really try hard to stick to those times because that way they understand exactly how much time it would take to make that thing. So sometimes we'll cut out things. We could do five more passes of something and we say, no, nope, it's only we're only going to do this and then we'll throw some blood on it or slime on it or something. Uh, we usually go for like, I think it's what, three to four hours, Heather? Three to four, five hours? Well,
2: I think I'd have to say that every single creature that we have has its own different things to it. So something can be simple. They may just be in there for two hours. Some things can be a little bit more complicated. It might be at the most, I think we had five or five and a half hours, but that's full body with a wig, teeth, lenses, head to toe. Every makeup, character, suit has its own different demands. So there's no set time. Everything's always different. So Like I said, for our show, I think the longest that we've gone was maybe five and a half hours, which is not unusual. I mean, I've been on other shows and had to do things that were seven, eight hours. And the thing with our show is since it's everything's always different each episode, you don't really have that opportunity to take a five hour makeup and get it down to an hour and a half, like on a film or some other shows, because you're only doing it a total of maybe at the most with a couple makeup tests five times as opposed to doing something on a feature film or, or something and they play a total of 60 times where you have something that goes from from the first test seven hours down to now we got it down to two hours. So that is a big difference there too, as far as time goes and getting everybody ready.
0: Jeremy, I want to turn to you and get a sense of whether it's two hours or five and a half hours. This is a long time to be sitting in a chair having these things applied. What's your sense as a performer about this process?
3: My sense is a little skewed from your normal creature performers. I'm not near as good as the guys that they like to bring in being a stunt guy. I'm kind of on the extreme. I'm ready to go out and hit the ground or hit a wall or whatever I got to do. But I don't think I'm as in tune with creature performance as a lot of the guys like Cheetah and Doug, those guys, those have a lot of experience doing that. And one example, the necromancer played by Ben Garrens. He's been through several seasons now. So you'll have that down pretty well, but when he performs like I double him to do the stunt portions of what necromancer may do, and I'm in it. And my face, when I'm done working, is just worn out from trying to move the prosthetics around just because it creates a lot of tension in your face. And I don't make the facial expressions he does. I just go out and do the parts that are action-driven, and I'm not the close-ups and all that. And I'm, I tell him all the time, I'm like, I don't know how you're not just exhausted when you're done just from moving your face around. And so. Being in the chair isn't really an issue for me. I'll sit there as long as I need to do it because I don't go through the close-ups a lot of time as the other, other guys do. I mean, it's a part of your day. You go in and you're, if you're there three or four hours, I've played some other, um, even on other shows where I've been in that seven or hour, eight hour makeup. I mean, that's it's a long process. And then by the time you get done working, then you have to do another hour to two to three hours, depending on what it is to get it all off. And so, you're like I said, the spider was a 16-hour day. I didn't film for 16 hours, but by the time we were four hours in, I think, on that, Heather, right?
2: To be honest with you, I can't remember. (laughs) I just remember it was so early in the morning and we're trying to squeeze you into this suit. But it was a super, super long day.
3: I could see from a performance (laughs) side as far as Mark wanting to preserve their energy to uh, develop that character and show that character. It's much tougher, in my opinion, to portray a character in a suit than it is to portray a character as an acting role or just a a normal human character because of the effort you have to put in to moving that suit around, just the physical muscular effort you put into lifting the foam or the rubber or moving the rubber on your face, the silicone the way it has to stretch and stuff like that. You don't realize it when you're doing it until you get it, come out of it and you're just exhausted. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, tough pull.
1: It's like wearing full body workout bands. Right. Cause every, every direction is, is giving you resistance,
3: right? Like right. The, uh... Exactly. Six, eight, 10 hours of that, of just <laughs> moving. And sometimes you can get out for lunch. Sometimes you can't, it depends. You know, sometimes you're stuck in it. And sometimes you don't go to the yep. bathroom for 10 hours and you just, it is definitely
2: that. not easy to be in these suits and it does take somebody special to be able to withstand all this
0: and to keep coming back mm. for more
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah they're built for it those guys enjoy it they truly
0: <laughs> really do yeah
1: yeah they do and and like i was telling somebody ago, it's like being in a sleep deprivation tank you're totally right. cut off from the rest of the world you know you can't hear you you can barely see and and somebody touches you you can't feel it because there's like two inches of rubber on the outside of you basically sit there until it's time to go do your thing and Jeremy and these guys they just kind of turn it on last second it's kind of like a rattlesnake they use all their motion for that one strike and then they're like okay I'm done you know I'm tired it's amazing when I see these guys walking around at the end of the day and they're still happy yeah this was great you know I'm just like gosh I you know I put a rubber mask on and I'm like wow that's that's really hot you know I don't know if I want to wear that for more than 30 minutes you know that's that's, true
2: especially Cheetah he's still running around getting pictures with everybody he's covered head to toe lenses teeth like there's not one part of him as cheetah showing i think that guy
3: sleeps with energy (laughs) yeah he's crazy he does. does But I do have to say, I mean, there's a lot of hard jobs out there, and and this is one of those. It's a hard job, physically demanding job, but we're blessed to be able to enjoy what we do. And I don't mind putting in hard work when I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And I always enjoy, especially working with Heather and Mark. They work, especially from the action standpoint, the stunt side. Us trying to get whatever physics we need to happen, or if we need to get pick points down so we can put somebody on a wire and fly them down a flight of stairs, or lift them up into the rafters, or throw them across the square or whatever that situation calls for. They're always working with us on making these uh, these creatures and the action go seamlessly together. And in addition with the wardrobe department and, you know, all the digital effects yeah, yeah. and all that, it's, it's a team effort to get these things going. It's really cool.
0: I want to talk to you guys about some of your favorites and uh, ask some questions about uh, specific creatures. But first, we've been talking about the process Talk to me a little bit about how filming during the pandemic and all the COVID-19 restrictions complicated this process during season three.
2: There was a lot. I mean, just even simple as the simple things as meetings, you know, and, and you couldn't really interact with other departments. Of course, the masks, wearing the visors, getting tested all the time. That actually became part where it felt normal to do all these things, but then to have no actual real paper and everything digital, that all that was really, really hard.
3: Yeah, I think the Zoom meetings made it tough because you've got 20 different departments trying to work together. And we know just here how Zoom, you when you talk over each other, it muddles things up. And so trying to, to come together on the different aspects of just getting your first meeting for a script and come to terms with how you're going to approach it, it, it makes it hard to, even without digital issues of internet dropping out and somebody freezing up and you lost somebody for 10 minutes or whatever it is that that made it tough and then not being able to actually be there with hands-on if somebody brings in a prop or a piece of a creature suit or something like that to see how things are going to work out we tried to be very proactive in letting um, mark and heather know our needs from the action standpoint as soon as we could as soon as we got any kind of rehearsal done we said hey it looks like we're gonna have to have pick points here here and here Um, Does that work with what you guys have? If it doesn't, do we go back to the drawing board and figure out how to do something a different way? So we tried to be on the same page with that, but not being allowed to go into other people's zones and vicinities made that a little difficult, even though you've got to get your work done. I know working early on with Heather and Mark, the visor thing with the, they were fogging issues early. And so trying to work on in detail for them to see what they were doing on our suits while we were trying to, if we were out in the hot weather or out in the cold weather or whatever the situation may be, it created a lot of vision issues, trying to get things done, trying to be in a certain area at a certain time or not. It was, uh, there was a lot of hoops to jump through for sure.
1: Yeah. I just remember getting in trouble because a cheetah had at one point had like accidentally spit some zombie goo out of its mouth, you know, and it landed, I think on somebody. What came out of that was the hard part. Okay. I didn't ask for slime in the mouth. I didn't ask for black stuff. Why did he spit it? Who told him to spit it? Okay. So now that he spit it, I think what it is, is the teeth were too big. So the teeth were too big. He couldn't hold his spit in. So what we should probably do is not put any more teeth in the creatures, which is like what makes them creatures basic. So, you know, I, you know, I just saw the, the, the leash getting tighter and tighter. So, so then, you know, you have to spin it. You have to say, no, look, it's, he just got too excited. Uh, Some of the spit came out because he yelled. It had nothing to do with the teeth. He looked at, he could obviously talk and do everything with the teeth. He's not drooling in any way. Everybody was so paranoid about COVID because everybody was scared. And of course, it it was dangerous and scary that they ended up trying to minimize anything that might cause a risk, anything. And if it meant like how to keep spit in an actor's mouth, you know, who's wearing like teeth that are coming, you know, three inches past his lip, they were like, get rid of them. We don't want it. And that totally compromises the design, you know, of the creatures. So we ended up having to scale the teeth back. And, you know, there's a lot of inner body stuff with these things. You know, we do contact lenses, we do teeth. Sometimes we have like rigs that kind of fit in their mouths or sweat. You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're so used to it, it doesn't feel like anything. But when you say, okay, you can't have any kind of bodily fluids touching you or them or anybody around them or the floor or anything. You know, all of a sudden you're like, wow, okay, that's that's actually kind of crazy. How are we going to do this? To the production's credit, they really worked it out and, and we ended up getting through it pretty good, I think. Our creatures did not suffer too bad from that. And in fact, I think it made us work smarter and harder. And I think, yes. the, creatures, I think the creatures from season three are probably some of our best.
2: And yes, because we were very afraid that they were going to take away teeth. Because I think it happened in one of our very first episodes when we got back as well. So the cheetah thing was the second time.
3: It was Green Knight, wasn't it? End of season
1: two, March hits, we get shut down. The last episodes are stopped. They didn't get finished. One of them was this creature called the Green Knight, which was kind of like a reptilian looking thing with a bunch of armor on him. And he had these big, beefy teeth. So the nature of the stuff is like, you know, yeah, you have a couple months and stuff fits great. But when it's been sitting in a box for since March all the way to the next time we would started up, we ended up putting them on him. And he was like, you know, they feel OK, but they were tight. The teeth were tight and you could tell it was giving him troubles. And since they'd been sitting and disinfected for so long, I don't know if they had shrank a little or what, but you could tell he was not happy. This guy, uh, Casey. Right. And he was really big guy. At one point, he looked like he was going to throw up. He, the teeth were just driving him crazy rather than him fiddle with it I reached into his mouth to try and pull him out I actually reached into his mouth with my bare hand because he looked like he was in trouble we got him out and boy they they you know there was just this feeling of like uh, wow that was really bad and we're gonna have to really think about this now you know <laughs> it, it ended up being okay we ended up kind of retrofitting him and making him fit and, and we fixed him and he was better but the character's pieces sat around until we were ready to pick it up and do it again. And that's, that's what happened to them.
3: Well, and that was super early too. When we came back, we were still finishing, like I said, the episodes that got pushed to into the to start season three because of the shutdown. And we were still trying to figure out parameters. We're trying to learn how to work with the new parameters. It was, I mean, obviously there's some learning curves going on with all that and it worked out. We got it. Like I said, we learned a lot as we went forward and how to approach certain aspects of what we needed to do from your guys standpoint and our standpoint and from the performer side and all that it definitely smoothed out after it was it took a couple of weeks of figuring that stuff out but i think it production figured out what parameters they needed to set forward we figured out how to work within them and all that kind of stuff and i think it 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 turned out to be a, a great season overall it was it was definitely it was hard to learn new ways of things to do things we had been doing for a while but it was uh I was happy to be working. So we were all trying to figure out how to keep working <laughs> at the point.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like Tetris, too. It was like, you got to put this guy in this room while the other guy comes over here. And then that guy leaves. And then now this guy can come out and we can put a fitting on him. And then that guy's got to go away before the next person comes in. It was a coordinating nightmare.
2: And, and even she- on set with Last Looks, they'd have to call in one department first. And then everybody steps away. and Then the next department comes in. Everybody steps away. Which then of course takes more time shooting on set.
0: Right as well. You know, so as I understand it, originally the season two order was for twenty episodes, but because of the shutdown, some episodes got moved to season three. Is that right? The first four were partially yes. done. And so that's correct. When things started back up again, those four had to be finished first. I came in about a week or so later having done some COVID work on another show and then just trying to to help you guys get those protocols established. Uh, So you're welcome, I guess. It's my opportunity (laughs) to say here that (laughs) (laughs) we did figure out what those are going to be, but you're right. It was not not self-evident. All the things that we do with what's a very precisely balanced interaction of props and costume and creature effects and uh, everybody involved now had these new rules and protocols and designed to keep everybody safe but that were not second nature, not at first. other. Although, as you said, eventually it got to be more and more something we worked in and ideally uh, smoother in that process. As you said, you guys put some great creatures out this season.
1: Working with COVID was so hard, I think, because it, it separated us a lot. There's a camaraderie on set and a camaraderie in, in, in our department, especially it's very family oriented kind of because we've worked together for so many years together when you can't be next to somebody or or even, you know, in the same room with them, sometimes it's, it's really hard. You got to do a lot of communicating.
0: Well, let's take the opportunity for each of you to tell me what your favorite creature was. Mark, why don't you tell us about one of the creatures that most struck you of this last season?
1: I I have to say, I like the leprechaun. You know, of course, I like the ones that Jeremy plays, but, (laughs) but, but, but the leprechaun, it was such a weird challenge, you know, because they're really, I mean, there's, there's leprechaun movies and they never quite looked the way I thought a leprechaun looked. And that one was a chance to kind of play with shapes a little bit. We gave them a really wide head. And, you know, usually when you have a little person, you're trying to keep everything kind of constrained so that it looks normal. But this time we, we kind of went with more of a cartoony type, image where he had the big head and real pointy shoes and so we really made that I think there was like that much it was like an inch or two on each side of his head of uh foam rubber with the ears and and it, it gave him such a strange little shape that one was probably my favorite just because he was and he was such a great performer yeah Alan Silva, Alan, Al, Alan Silva. He, he's man you talk about you know a guy who can really move and, and make those things look great. He was really good in it. And, you know, I always worry because these things are really cumbersome and uh, especially on people who are, you know, shorter, they end up really wearing you out quite a bit. And this one, he, he ended up really rocking it. He looked really cool. And we made his hands really wide. So he ended up having a real like cartoon look. He he was very eighties. I'd have to say he looked really cool.
0: Well, this one was also complicated if I remember correctly, because, you had a practical effect of him swelling and you had stunts that he was going to be up in the air for those final scenes in the parking garage. Um, So we had all those other things that had to be coordinated as well, not just the look, but how these things were actually going to be executed on set.
3: Yeah. I mean, Alan was great. He's, he's a very talented performer and an aerialist. And so he had a lot of uh, abilities that we could play off of for action. We were inside a parking garage and lowering him from the ceiling coming down a pole, which he wanted to do himself and was physically able to do himself, but you don't do that in a film in case something goes wrong. So we did have him on a line bringing him down and he dropped onto a back. And then we had a fight where he was on the back and he was able to hang on and fight and scrap and bring him off onto a pad. And he was, he was down for all of it. That guy, he went through the paces for um, physical activity. So he put some action into it and then we lifted him up and with the bladder you guys created to, expand as he did his uh his blowing up it was a it was a really cool effect as well
2: yeah that was actually was department that made okay. the inflatables under his costume and then we had our amazing beth that's our fabricator in our department she sewn these flesh toned uh like pillowcases for the inflatables to go into that then wrapped around him
0: sorry was department being the Uh, Special Special effects, effects, the special effects department.
3: Just giving credit where credit is due. uh, Dave Fletcher is our special effects coordinator. He's the one that uh, handled all of it since Vampire Diaries and Originals and now Legacies and all that. He does a lot of that stuff and WA is his foreman. And so that special effects team has really been helpful to all of us, whether it be action and creature and put them all together. We kind of work together hand in hand most of the time.
2: That is correct. We will do a lot with the special effects department as well can be a really big thing sometimes with all these different departments just for one creature.
0: Heather, let me turn to you. What was your favorite creature?
2: Okay, well, last season, yes, the leprechaun was amazing. But I I think I'm gonna go with our episode with the, the gremlins. We had a baby gremlin that was all animatronic. We had the big suit. And then we had another version that was like the size of a palm that he shrunk down to that I loved. That was all Mark. That's Mark's aesthetic to the T. It's cute little scary creature. That was one of my favorites from this past season. I mean, it was just every day, like seriously, I I pinch myself that I'm involved with the show because we get to do so much. And these types of shows are rare. Doing makeups, giant suits, small animatronic creatures. I mean, it was amazing. The design was cool. We had the mechanics, uh, Dwight Corbin come in. And I mean, there was a lot of people involved in that little guy, a lot. From designing, to fabricating, to mechanics, to all the last little details of paint and all that stuff. And then let alone, we had the giant creature and then the tiny shrunken, the one that gets squashed.
0: You know, I'm reminded of a scene with the gremlin where the original creature actually knocks Lizzie into the pool. Like, how did that come together? Because there you've got stunts. I'm presuming there was something practical in there as well.
1: A long time ago, I used to work with a lot of puppets. One of my first jobs was uh, critters. Those are like these little hand puppets, you know, that bite people and stuff. But there's so many incarnations of them the ones that are the balls that roll around. And then there's the ones that are, you know, have their mouth really wide open that bite you and their rubber teeth. And then they have some that are like, you know, really fully mechanical and expressive. Some of them are stunt ones that you can hit with a baseball bat. And I knew we needed some of that stuff for this. So I think what we did for the one that pushes her in is I basically made a stunt guy, a little stunt puppet. And he's one that's not as detailed as the hero puppet, but Basically, we took the pieces, put them on this wire, and because there's a lot of smoke and stuff around when she gets pushed in, I basically made this, like, gremlin that you could kind of, like, you know, lunge at her, and we put him in, like, a little position like he's pushing her, and so we just hit her really quick with it, and it looks like, you know, he jumped, you know, and all, he's got all this wire and stuff coming out of his his little butt, you know, so you, you can't really see it, and then we wrap it with fur, so if you do see anything, you just see pink fur, but... We pushed her really quick and then stunt wise, she falls into the pool. Those two elements together, you know, they kind of make that scene. You don't, you don't put it together that it's two different people.
3: On the day we had Jenny who plays Lizzie there and you kind of, um, they, they put in the smoke. Mark was crouched down, kneeling in the smoke, hiding where he couldn't hardly see anything. And then he had, it, with, the, with the wire, it almost looked like even like it might've been a stick, but it, it was a solid wire, right, Mark?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a wire that I wrapped with
3: pink tape and then he pushes it out and pushed it at her. And then we switched out, we did a cut and we switched out and Amy Tuttle was our double for Lizzie on, on this episode. And, uh, she jumped in and, uh, we had a countdown where she was going to be walking forward and, or turning away from the machine that was smoking or whatever it was, but we counted down a three, two, one. And so Mark knew to hit her uh, after after the one, and she knew she was going to take the hit and fly back into the pool on the one. And so we did it actually twice, I think. And she threw a leg up and went back and hit the water, and there it was.
2: It looked great. It looked great. It I, did. I had so much fun watching that whole episode, and uh, I thought it turned out really, really great.
1: Yeah, that was our opportunity to kind of make cute creatures, you know, because sometimes these types of shows, they fall into a rut. This show, they let us like kind of play with it and they'll be like, okay, it starts off like this cute little creature and then it grows into a gigantic thing. And then originally that creature was supposed to be as big as a house. You know, we, were, we made a digital version of it called the Behemoth, uh, Behemoth Gremlin. And uh, the digital version, you know, he was huge. He looked like a big, you know, mountain. They, you know, for whatever reason, time and all that, they cut that part out, and just made him a big creature in a suit.
0: So Jeremy your favorite from the season, whether it's something you were in or just something you admired.
3: That's the hard part to separate the things I was in because I have memories and stories from all the things that I did and then trying to figure out what is actually my favorite. So I'm looking at the list, trying to work that out in my brain, like honorable mentions would be like Cheetah is merman, but I get to do all of Cheetah's pickup shots when he's not, able to be there so i've, I've been in the mer suit quite a few times and then the water where merman was swimming they were like just make it effortless he's the merman and i'm like how do i swim in a rubber foam suit and not sink and make it look effortless and it definitely was not effortless so i've gotten partial to merman i'm partial to necromancer in uh episode 15 i got to play the bouncer which was actually they used the cyclops from season two and kind of remade it up into me make this like one-eyed big giant bouncer-looking guy, and that was fun to play because I got to do that the whole day. And fun with that, also got to play a little insurgent alien they came up with, where I got to wear a rubber mask and not see anything again. That was fun. But my favorite is going to be a toss-up. I'm going to mention two of them: berbalang Lang and Burba Hope. Because the Berba Lang was played by our friend, he's a stunt, fellow stunt guy, uh, Dante Ha, and he's a great character actor as well. He's done several of our characters. The way he portrayed that character coming down in the crypt and crawling around the edges and dropping in and then fighting with hope, I just thought it came to life really well. And then Berba Hope was basically when she was bitten or scratched by the Berba Lang, I think, and then she was turning into one. I thought the way they designed half of her turning into burbling and the other half of her still being hope and her bringing that to life was really cool to see. And, uh, and we got to do a good bit of action with her as well. And she was a trooper and went through all that.
0: Yeah. I was going to comment on burbling as well. If, if none of you did uh, fascinating creature work up front, Mark, Heather, love to have some more insights on that. And as you also tied in with hope, Danielle was in the makeup herself.
3: We also had a stunt double for her that had a stunt version of the burbling stuff too, because she had to, uh, we'd had a pretty violent throwback in the great room where she got thrown ac- completely across the room, hit a fireplace and was held up up there by some magic. And, and she also dropped through a skylight in the kitchen and landed on a table and stuff like that. But I'll let you guys go into detail on Danielle going through that as well as Julia, her stunt double and all of that.
1: So with the burbling, that character was really funny because originally we thought it was not gonna be that big a deal because it seemed pretty straightforward. It comes out, it gets killed and it goes away. And that was it. And then uh, our producer, Trevor, ended up saying he wanted to direct the episode. And Trevor has been like our guiding force through this whole thing. Like he's been the guy there since, since Chris Grismer left. He kind of took over
0: Chris's spot. Trevor Juarez, a producer on the show who coordinates the creatures from design through execution
1: he's more than a producer. He's just been a friend. So it became a real important episode for us because we're like, man, we want to make you look good. So just whatever you, you think, you know, let's, let's do it. It was really hard for me because, you know, I didn't want to get trapped again. That's the hard part with these shows is that you keep making the same thing over and over again. So we had to kind of think of some new and weird things. And that's why I'm always open to those ideas that Trevor throws out because they're from a fresh perspective. And he was like, yeah, what about like some wings under the arms and like, you know, some big goblin-type shark mouth and, and this. And he had an idea in his head, but I didn't know that he was the one that was going to want to direct it. It became a very important episode for us because its I think it's the first time we got to put a main cast member in a creature. I Correct. mean, aside from the necromancer, aside from the necromancer. Like,
2: we've done stuff to land in. I think in the first episode, we put some gargoyle scratches on Jenny's stomach.
1: This was the first transition from a main cast member into a monster. And even more important, it's the main girl of the whole show. So it's gotta look good. You don't wanna put so much rubber on her that you can't tell who she is. And she's gotta look cool. She's gotta look fierce. It was a very minimal makeup, but we knew that if we did it correctly, it would read really well. And uh, we gave her really good contact lenses. We also gave her like this nice silicone piece that that sat just on her, her cheekbone and then went down like to her neck and her chin. And it's just showing like the beginnings of what the burbling is going to come, you know, like how how she's going to transform into this creature. But the creature itself, I mean, because we knew what it was going to be, we had time to paint it, you know, and we had time to really kind of play with it and, you know, Heather did a beautiful paint job on it. You know, she really got into it. And, and we were always trying to push ourselves to become better artists. So we're looking at other artists and what they do. And then we're like, OK, well, we'll copy that. You know, we'll we'll do these kind of veins and we'll put this kind of thing. And I think we were just so focused on that creature. It, it really shows because it doesn't look like the rest of the creatures. It is the kind of horror episode, too. There's like, it it really feels like a horror episode. It doesn't feel like, you know, a goofy creature like the uh, leprechaun, which is still cute and scary. But, you know, it's not as threatening as as Hope was in the show. I feel that like we ended up putting a lot of our personal effort into that character because we knew, you know, we wanted Trevor to have a really great creature. And we wanted, you know, everybody to see like, hey, look, you could make the main cast members into cool things, too. It doesn't just have to be a guy in a suit with a rubber head on him. And then he comes out and, you know, fights and kills and dies. And, you know, these can actually expand the universe of the show, these techniques and these, these characters. That was our hidden goal to make hope look so cool and make it like, not so hard on her too. Cause we wanted her to act. And she did a great job in the makeup too. And so when she, she came out and did that. And broke through the glass, and you see that they, you know, they lit it so beautifully, and, and they shoot the creatures so great on the show. I think it just really resonated with everybody. Everybody says how much they like that creature, and I, I I actually forgot about it because I probably should have said that was my favorite.
2: <laughs> I know I forgot about it too old <laughs> Jeremy brought it up.
1: It was such a, a long process with that character that I think we were just happy when it was over. You, you know, you put so much of your personal essence into these things you know you you live breathe and eat it for like three or four weeks and then you don't want to even look at it again after that
2: i just want to talk a, a little bit more on that because it was trevor's episode like we put our all into everything but we, we wanted to give trevor exactly what he wanted because it was on her we wanted her to be comfortable we wanted her to like it because she was like i want to look like a badass we were like we're gonna make you look like a badass We brought in a double, a girl that plays her stand in double. So I could have a few makeup tests on before even doing one on her. I think I did a a makeup um, I think three times, even my first time putting it on her. I wanted to have a real feeling of what I was going to do. So I wasn't doing it for the first time on her. So I went through that process and then even doing it the second time on her, then refining it even more. She really loved it. She did look like a badass. And um, Dante, he was so good in that suit, too. We were just so happy with that episode. Everything turned out really good.
1: Yeah, that was a really interesting creature because we we ended up using mechanical eyes on the mask. And little teeth, we went the opposite from what we usually do, which is little eyes, big teeth. And I struggled with the sculpture of that head for a long time because it, it wasn't what I was used to sculpting.
3: I find that when things are really hard, those end up turning out to be your favorites. A lot of times, like spider is still one of my favorites because it was so hard to do it. And that day was so, it was such a day that I look back and that's, I tell myself that now, every time I am in a situation where I'm like, I hate, I hate what's going on. I'm like, this is going to be a story later. And then you always have that story and that you always remember the trials and the things that pushed you through it and whatever the outcome is, you, you end up remembering that forever. And so those end up being my favorites.
1: Yeah, even the spider, like the spider was just hard because it was so thrown together, but it still looked really cool. I think it just needed more time to explore the character. And they learned a lot on that one and that that ended up actually helping all the others, the way they shot it, the way they, they introduced the creatures. I think a lot of that has is, is really gotten to a really nice refinement now, like even on season three, the way the things come in and they scare people or whatever, they, they do their thing those season one creatures are really kind of scary for me because I, I was basically trapped in Atlanta and I didn't have any idea where to buy materials. And, you know, we had ideas like, okay, well, there's this place engineer guy where we can get the basics and we weren't set up yet. So like getting things back and forth was not really easy.
2: Um, I Plus too, just even our work area, Mark, I mean, we were in that little salon and then we had that really tiny trailer and
1: They had this place called The Salon, which is what they built for the makeup people and the hair people. And it's this beautiful room where it basically looks like a salon. And they thought, well, nobody's using the salon. We should just put them in there. Well, what we do involves like machining and grinding and and sanding and chemicals and all kinds of stuff to build this stuff. It's basically raw chemicals, like 30 minutes before it becomes a thing. So we were, we just demolished that place and I remember seeing Bonnie come in and she looked around and saw it all full of dust and everything and, and you could tell she was very proud of that room and she just went oh and then she walked out you know <laughs> and-
2: I know I thought we were gonna be in trouble I was like oh no what's we you
3: No, County yeah, was can- like we can't smell that anymore we can't do uh, yeah, it Yeah, yeah
2: yeah yeah the we- whole production office was smelling all the chemicals we had a trail of plaster and clay because you know when we're sculpting and molding things, you know, things fall into the floor, so you saw our footprints as soon as it left the salon on the carpeting going out the door, going down the hallway.
1: <laughs> it was, yeah, it was we destroyed it. it. You know, okay. they put us outside actually in this place called the cube, which was the extras holding, and they said, This is going to be your new shop. And then yeah. they, they could see, they could see by the end of season one, they're like, This is not going to work, it's, <laughs> too, small. it's too small, they need a lot
2: more space.
1: Yeah. And then they ended up putting us over with a set deck in, in this other separate building that ended up being our, our new home and our shop. And we, we just went in and said, OK, we're going to build a shop like we've always wanted. You know, we're going to have monster heads all over the place and, and cool artwork and uh, materials abundant and, you know, just anything we can want, you know, just to make make this experience. The best it can be because we know we're going to be here late at night making these creatures and even on the weekends and we're going to be crying and, you know, but at least we'll be comfortable.
0: Looking ahead, Legacies is coming back for a season four. When does production start back up again?
2: I think maybe pre-production will probably start the end of August, I'm guessing, because what we were told before we left, first day of principal photography is September 20th. So back that up but we haven't been told like our start dates or when we're flying back or anything like that yet.
0: Well, and uh, while we're not doing any spoilers, is there anything you can tease about the new season? Things that, you know, are coming down the pike that you're really excited about, or people should especially watch for.
2: One of the cool things is every uh, before every season, Mark and myself and Trevor will sit down and we'll come up with a list of things that of creatures that we want to see. We'll write little backstories for them. And then it gets turned into the writers so sometimes they take not the exact thing but they'll take a little bit from it and add it into another creature and um we will prepare the same thing for this upcoming season and we'll see what happens
1: yeah we definitely have a like a lot of creatures that we want to make like i think the gremlin was actually a creature that we wanted to make it, it was uh, uh, an african creature called the tokolosh I heard about it a long time ago from a friend of mine. Then I was like, Tokolosh, oh, that's interesting. It's a, such a weird little guy. You know, that's how it kind of evolves. It's like, they'll just, they'll look at what we've, we we want to make and they'll say, yeah, well, what if we did something like this? But if we take that, but we make it, you know, we'll, we'll we'll amp it up a little bit. We'll make it a little cooler here or we'll, we'll, we'll merge it with this other creature or whatever, you know, and it's basically becomes like our, our challenge to figure out how to make that,
0: you know? Well, I got to say, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you.
2: Thank you thanks so much up. for having us.
0: Appreciate it. Listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us reach new listeners. New listeners, it's easy to peruse all of our back episodes on the website, below the line, one word, dot biz. That's B-I-Z. All episodes of the podcast are also listed on IMDb, so it's easy to cross-reference the film credits of my guests. Got questions or comments? You can send an email to skid s k i d at belowtheline.biz. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on T-shirts, mugs, and stickers at Redbubble.com. Be safe and join us again next week on Below the Line.